Lord, we thank you. And we are always careful to give you the honor, all the glory, all the praise. We understand that without you, we can truly do nothing. Nothing of value that would make it past your throne of glory. In our efforts, we try, we try, and we ask, God, that you would take our attempt and make it right before you. You understand the intent of our hearts and our struggles, that you would use them to shape us, mold us, all the insecurities that we have, everything we go through. We give it to you, because only you can make it right. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you touch lives, alter past direction of lives. Give them the path that would give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is the final installment of, of facing our fears. You know, I was kind of torn about talking because you don't always want to talk about fears or, or, or what things that bother you. Right? But the fact of the matter, everybody will one day face in their life fear. You're going to face, and not just any fear, your fear. Some will run, some will stay and fight. We all have the ability to have the victory, but sometimes we just choose to do things our way. Can anybody say, oh my? So I believe we have, we have and must question how we react when we face our fears. We've got to talk about it. You know, we come, we got some great words for people that are afraid, right, or trapped by fear, you know. What she said, she said, a punk, you know, sissy. I didn't know where he come up with them. Rancor. Yellow. Now, how do they come up with yellow? With yellow? Uh, spineless. You know, there's a, a sundry of words that, that, that describe those who are, are fearful. Uh, all of them can be summed up by one word, a coward. Right? See, a coward allows fear to dictate his or her, her moves, actions, what they do. Because we all, we all should have fear. Healthy people have healthy fear. Right? The difference between a coward, coward and a hero is, is that the hero doesn't allow the fear to paralyze them. They move. So fear is a needed commodity. It's, it's almost like, you know, wheat, barley, rice. You need it. Unlike any commodity, it must be controlled. If fear is, isn't controlled, then you will be controlled. Fear will, will be your master. Jesus recognized that men are fearful, fearful and rebuked men for our inability to deal with fear. And we read that last week when, in Matthew 8.24 and it read, Without warning, a fear, furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples woke him and saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and was completely calm. And so here Jesus clearly says that people who operate or are moved by fear 
have little faith. See, the, 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 the microcosm of that boat trip is our life. We all say we're walking with Jesus and then the storm comes and the trouble comes and all of a sudden, God, why, why? Would not Jesus come up and say, you little faith, what are you so afraid of? See, there's no room for fraidy cats. See, basically, fear is the wrong use of imagination. Because, you know, people, we, we have these vain imaginations in our mind. You know, we all think and wonder. You know, psychologists have proven that over 85% of the things you worry about never happened. If you just got rid of those 85, you'd be better off. But nonetheless, I just told you this is a fact. You're worried about something, and it's your worry. You earned it, and you're going to keep it. And then it doesn't happen, and you wasted all that brain power over something that has an 85% chance of never materializing. Fear is a spirit whose desire is to possess or oppress you. It wants to come upon you. I've seen people move, and really, if you look at life, you look at people in general, fear is the number one motivation on this planet. I'm afraid, so I do. Fear is the, is the planting ground and gives room for the enemy of your soul, Satan, to plant doubt. Question God's plan personally. Question God's plan corporately. The doubting field, you know, am I saved? Now, before you leave, you, that should be eliminated this morning, am I saved? But if you, if you, if you think, here's a clue, here's a clue. If you, if you wonder, am I saved? You're not. Okay, if you just wondered, you're not. You're on your way to hell. That's unfortunate. You don't have to, but like I said, when you leave, that doesn't have to be the case. Because those who know the Lord know the Lord. There's no doubt. Right? So, but you're going to have these doubts. Am I called? Is it worth it? Because you're going to go through struggles. If you're walking with Jesus Christ, those who walk godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. You'll get to a point where you go, is it worth it? Man, I'm tired of all this. It was easy when I can just sin. Hello. You forgot how bad sin was. But fear opens you up to the control of doubt. We have to face your fear. And then if you can face your fear, then you can use it as part of the shaping process of your life. We talked about the first two weeks ago. Remember? First thing, and I use the acronym FEAR. F, find a different perspective. E, engage your problem-solving skills. A, ask for help. And R, resist the temptation to give up. Hmm? That's, what, that's how you handle fear. Because fear is often a part of the shaping process. For the Lord. He's got to shape you. If it wasn't, Jesus would never put them on the boat. I'm sure the Lord knew that they were afraid, would be afraid when a storm came upon them. Nonetheless, he put them there. Why? Because he had to make some disciples. Some courageous men who'd be willing to face adversity. Who, who weren't afraid. So he puts them on the boat. In our case, he lets, he lets life roll right at us. In terms we often don't understand. Right? See, what, what God does, he puts, and I, I put it last week, he puts you in a pit. Anybody ever been in a pit? Right? 
And said, I use that acronym, PIT. People in training. So you have to go in a pit. It's necessary if you're going to walk with God. Don't be afraid of it, right? And we, we looked at three individuals who were God, put them in a pit. The first one it was, was Joseph. And, and, and your plans are often changed in the pit. It doesn't, go out, it doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Because how many of you made plans? And you make plans, and it just didn't turn out the way you planned it. Sometimes God's got to take you to a pit to get you out of you. Right? Oftentimes there's too much you in there where the Holy Spirit, there's no room for the Holy Spirit. He's not going to go into some place that's full of it. He's going to go someplace that's empty. Amen? Second, the pit teaches God's presence. So we use Daniel. Daniel, put, Daniel was put into the pit with a lion. Huh? And it tested whether, God, or whether Daniel was, knew God or was with God. And third, we talked about, again, last week, uh, your courage is tested in the pit. And we used a man by the name of Benaniah who was, went into the pit with a lion on a snowy day to kill the lion. The fear that was, that was tormenting the city. Why? Because the world operates on fear. Marketing, you know, you, you, when you take marketing in, 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 in college, you're going to get your master's in, in public policy. They talk about marketing. And what they try to do is create a problem for you and then solve it. So you never had a problem before. But now you have a problem. Your problem is your deodorant is so sticky and ugly and you don't like this. See, that's a problem. So they create a problem for you and then they give you. But this is a solution. Buy my deodorant. And you didn't notice or never realize that you didn't like the deodorant until somebody told you you didn't like the deodorant. It's called marketing. Create a problem. Create a problem. Create a problem. And then solve it. So the world is motivated by their, their problems. Oh. See, fear... I'll say this before I talk about the bondage of fear. Name your fear, and I'll name your bondage. Because fear brings bondage. Let's all turn to Hebrews 2, 14. Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood... He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Because of our fear of death, it put life, our life in bondage all the time. But so once you're released, once you really believe that you're on your way to heaven, then what? I, I, I go to different inner cities and, and you talk to these people who, who are not really uh, missionary minded. They don't travel out. They're great believers. And they, they go to me and they say, well, I don't know how you do it. You know, aren't you afraid? And I go to these places. I go, afraid? I go, well, first of all, how can you threaten me with heaven? They go, what? I go, I, all, the worst they can do is kill me. You can't threaten me with heaven. What are you what are you afraid of? No, I go there because God calls me, but my fear puts that, that area in perspective. And it allows me to walk into places with confidence. 
to the greatest fear, death keeps us all in bondage, a lifetime of bondage. See, most people, why? Because most people are concerned with their possessions rather than knowing God. You know, your car, your home, your everything, right? And so because you're, we're concerned with what we have in this world, the fear of not having motivates you. So you want, you want, and you move, you move. You go, you go, you pay. Why? Because fear, fears. All right, Jesus, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Remember, he said, I'll follow you anywhere. But, and then he goes, well, you know, I don't know if you want to follow me. I don't have a place to live, and I have nowhere to sleep. That man who said he would follow him turned and walked away. He said, oh, I ain't going with him. Why? Because people are afraid of not having those things. Right? And it's like a natural feeling, but sometimes... In that case in particular, but in many people who are called, you don't, you don't really know what's in store. So are you free? You go, oh, I ain't doing that, man. Well, watch out for that, right? The greatest fear, of, that, that, that fear keeps you going. Proverbs 29, 24, 5 reads like this. For fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Hmm? So fear leads to compromise in your walk with Jesus. Some people, because they're afraid, they lie. Anybody ever been afraid and lied? Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? You're afraid and you don't want to, or, or worse, some are real good liars. They don't really lie. They withhold. Let me let you in on, redefine your definition of lying. Withholding is lying. If you know and withhold, you're a liar, okay? Just want to clarify that. Because some people say, I didn't, I didn't lie, I didn't say nothing. But you knew. Hello? Uh, in, in a court, criminal court case, that would be called an accessory to a crime. Well, you'd be in trouble. Uh, fear. See, fear breeds hypocrisy and disobedience. Hypocrisy, the Bible, uh, Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he goes, and he called the, the, the hypocrites uh, the, uh, the Pharisees. He goes, that's, that's what the Pharisees have. The leaven of, uh, of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. You know, that, that word hypocrisy, sometimes we don't understand it. It means a, a pretender, a deceiver, imposter, a phony. It comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which is an actor on a stage. You know, an actor. That's why we need actors for the drama, right? Because we know it's Victor Arich. And we have a lot of actors in our church. Yeah, you know, we are acting. How's everything going? Fine. You know, you got 10 warrants. Wanted all over in 80 states. How's everything? Cool, I'm good, man. I got it going on. Yeah, big actor, liar. And he said, beware of the, the Pharisee. Now, when Jesus was addressing that, he was talking about religious folk. You know, matter of fact, in Luke 12, 1, you can turn there. He's talking about religious folk, how they'll come to church and act all holy, say, God bless you, praise the Lord, they'll even raise their hand, oh, omnipotent Holy Father, and go out the door and cuss like the devil. And see, that's, that, that's incongruent. Why? Because the, Jesus asked a question, a very provoking question. He said, can sweet water come out of a well that produces bitter water? 
No. He goes, because he says, because it's a bitter well, the sweet water will be bitter. I said, when you, when you fake the funk, when you come in and you act like you're a believer, but you're not really a believer, and you walk out, you're an actor. So you come in and show, you get out the car. Because you, if you've been married more than a week, you might relate to this one. Because you, you see it all the time, married couples. Because married, marriage is a tough thing. But they're in the car coming to church. Now, if you're married, don't raise your hand. You come to church and you're arguing. No, it's your fault. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. You're fighting, right? Just fight like cat and dog. You're having a hard time coming to church. And you open the door and the, the greeter comes to you and you open the door and you go, Hi, God bless you. <laughs> you ever do that? Come on now. We're all guilty of that one. Right? So that's what God said. Beware of that. Because although that's a human nature, don't make it a habit because then you become a phony. Right? See, we don't want to be like that. Disobedient uh, rebellion, and let me read that again, that, that scripture. The fear of the man will prove to be a snare, a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is kept safe. And we're talking about compromise and disobedience, fear. So you don't want to be a hypocrite out of your fear, but you also don't want to be disobedient out of your fear. Disobedience? Why? If someone says, I need you to do this, but you're afraid. I can't do that. I can't. I don't got the talent. I can't. I, I'm, I, you don't know. Don't let your fear dominate you. Because fear will, will make you say no when you should say yes to the Lord. It will. And when you rebel against the Lord, it's no longer fear you're dealing with. What are you dealing with? When you're rebelling against what God asks, it's no longer, it's, that fear shifts to what it really is. It's amazing. And that fear turns to rebellion, and rebellion, the Bible says, is as witchcraft. Very interesting. Huh? Rebellion can put you in a trance. Witchcraft, a spell. Huh? You're under control. You're, 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 you're disobedient, and then you think, oh, you think the whole world is wrong and you get this mindset and you're deceiving yourself. That's why the Bible says rebellion is as witchcraft. Amen? Let me move on. This is not my whole message. But a person locked into disobedience, we can say this, is unresponsive to counsel. They don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. And all this is rooted in what? Fear. It's fear. Huh? So we need, to, we need to have properly Place fear. What should you be afraid of? Not your mother-in-law. God. You should be afraid of God. Genesis 22, 12. Let's all turn there. Now check out this. Because you all have to come to a point. Because if I ask anybody, do I love, you love God? Everybody, of course I love God. But when you ask people, do you fear God? It'll, it'll make them like, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? They, they have to begin to try to deduce, what are you trying to get out of me by fearing God? Right? Because that is very important. I'm going to say this. Fearing God is more important than loving God. Let's read on. In Genesis 22:12, God has put Abraham through the process 
And Abraham was so fearful, he lied about his wife. He said his wife was his sister, so he wouldn't get killed. He thought he'd get killed. He, was, he lied because of what? Fear. But he got him here, and, he, and after his life had passed, he, he gave him a, a boy that he could never have from his wife who could never have a ba- baby. And he takes that most precious boy, and he, ta- and he says, okay, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to go to the mountain and sacrifice. He didn't provide a sacrifice. He, brought, he, he provided the child. And we know, if you know the story, Abraham is prepared to sacrifice his son. He, ra- he has a knife in his hand, and God knew in his heart when he lifted the knife that he was going to kill his son. Then he goes, stop. Verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Here's the key. Now I know that you fear me. Uh, now, I'm going to read it again. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. See, God has to get us to a point of fearing him. Why? Because the opening scripture said, fear will keep you from evil. Fear. It didn't say love will keep you from evil. It said fear will. And we have to have a good, healthy fear. The fear of God breaks the bondage of the world. I, don't, I can't count on my hands, on my toes, and your hands and my toes together how many times the fear of God have kept me from sinning. The fear of God kept me from taking a right turn when I, when I should have took a left turn. The fear of God kept me from doing things that I would otherwise have done because at that moment, I wasn't thinking about, I don't want to do this because I love God. I wasn't thinking, oh, I love God so much, I don't want to do that. Uh-uh. I was thinking, if I do this, right, and I do this and, and open up an attack from the enemy, because God said, you want to do that? And he removes himself from me? You're on your own, Jack. That terrified me. Uh-uh, I called the devil a punk too many times not to have God with me. You know, I'm, like, I'm, like the, I'm like that. You ever see that cartoon, the big bulldog? And they have a little tiny chihuahua. You ever see that on the, on the, the cartoon? The bulldog, the little chihuahua. And that little, little tiny dog, dog, yeah, yeah, acting all bad. And, and he doesn't know that the big bulldog's behind him. I'm like, well, that's how I feel with the devil. I'm like the little chihuahua. Come on, devil, right? But I know God's behind me. But if God's not behind me, then what? See, that is terrifying to me. To be without God, subject to all the spirits that I, know, I recognize and know that are, that are out there. See, that is terrifying to me. See, some of you don't understand. You probably don't believe that there are spirits and devils. But listen, there are. They're everywhere. They're waiting for you. Matter of fact, they might be at your house right now. Cooking eggs. Bacon. Where's she at? Come home pretty soon? Huh? You're going to have fear. See, there's fear in Christianity. Fear is very necessary in Christianity. Fear is necessary in ministry. In fact, we have to be people who handle large amounts of fear. Huh? Large amounts of fear. So we all have have our Goliaths. Something that God's going to take you to. 
And you could be, you could be facing a Goliath. And, and there's different levels. And everybody, everybody Goliath's different. And they don't just go away. There's different levels. Remember the process. If you take it to one fear, you conquer it, then you're ready for the next fear. Why? Because God has to get you to a place where, where you don't fear anything but him. And the reality is everybody that walks in the door doesn't face God, fear God. They fear everything else. So he has to put you through a process. Sometimes he uses the popo. The judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. The court's in order and here come the judge, right? Why? You try to use that fear. Oh, you want to act bad? I'll throw you back in the can, lock you up for another eight. All of a sudden you go, you get all holy. Oh, Father. Oh, heavenly Father. Where is our if thou is? Wait till you kill your number and see if you're still worshiping God. Because you have to go through your fears. He wants you to be afraid of him, not these other things. So he, he, he keeps this process going in our lives. Like King David. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Because we all have Goliaths. Challenges, things that are way beyond our control, way beyond what we can handle. And it reads there in verse 8 of chapter 17. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do, you come, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subject. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Warriors, fighters, nobody was willing to go out there and die. Huh? See, ministry, walking with Jesus requires a high fear tolerance. We call that courage. Courage in the face of adversity. Courage. Courage is like a tea bag. You never know the strength of your tea until you put it in hot water. You can say you have courage. Oh, I got courage. Let's, put, let's get some hot water on you. See how you handle it. Let's have some pressure. Let's see what kind of courage you have. Right? And then you go through some trouble, something's going wrong in your life, and all the sissy la-la comes out. What happened, Mr. Courage? I'm big bad and I can do all things. What happened? Sounds good when you say it. I read the Bible and I can say it. Okay. Great, wonderful. The devil read the Bible, and he can say it too. But what are you going to do with it? Because fear comes. If I would tell you, oh, don't worry about it. fear will never hit you, I'd be lying to you. So it's times like this when you're not facing your Goliath, you better get ready, get into training. Huh? Before you have to get in the ring, start developing. Ask God to give you, give you insight. Ask God to help you, teach you how to pray, teach you how to fast. These are important aspects of Christianity that are too seldom taught and even worse, very seldom practiced. Uh, see, God usually takes us to do things we can't do in our own strength. And here, this, this man, this giant, he was a formidable pole. We don't know how tall he is. He could have been 15 feet tall. We don't know the, the massiveness of, but we, they do describe his sword and his spear and how huge it was. See, it's not just a task that I've got to ask you. Here, David was called to fight a giant. 
But we're going to ask to, be, to change emotionally. We're going to be asked to repair relationships. We're going to ask to mature. See, these types of, of acts demand faith, especially if you've been like you are for too long. And all of a sudden God says, you need to change. You go, that, that, that's worse than Goliath. At least Goliath is in front of you. When, when God said you need to change emotionally, you need to work on a relationship, he has to deal with something you can't run from, you. And what happens? Because people are afraid to change. Ah, I'm out of here. Uh-uh. Let me have a beer. Let me, let me smoke a joint. Let me, I need something to relieve my fear. That's why the world is loaded. The world is addicted from the White House to the outhouse. Why? Because everybody's afraid. Uh, see, these types of acts demand faith. You know, stop being jealous. Control your anger. Uh, fear of change itself have trapped many. I was, I was talking with a, a relative friend and very smart person. Well educated, but they come out with the, the phrase that I, I don't I, I don't like to change, right? I don't like to change, and, and I go wow, and, th and this this change was a great change. I'm talking we're talking about a real great. It would have saved her hundreds of dollars, but because she was afraid of change, she would rather spend them extra money. Amazing. Fear. Now here's a man who's not trained in war. But he was training one thing, and how to get a hold of God. He was training the shepherd field while tending sheep and watching how sheep were, had to be nurtured. He learned how God would nurture people like nurturing sheep. He would sing songs. He would write songs, David's greatest hits. He wasn't writing the blues. He was writing about his relationship with God, how he loved God, how he worshiped God, and how he was thankful where he was at. And he began to learn who God was. And all of a sudden, he comes to all these guys who said they were warriors. He goes out there, and he sees them acting like cowards. And he goes, what's going on here? You see the picture? In verse 33, let's keep reading. Saul replied, you are unable to go out against the Philistines and fight him. Now think about that. Here's David. Let's go take this, take this dude out. And Saul said, you can't do this. Let's keep reading. You are only a boy. And he has been fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord will deli who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, he didn't know how to fight. He knew God. He goes, wait a minute. I killed a lion and bear just the same way that God gave me that lion and bear because he recognized, how did I do that? Can you When God does something for you, you look back and you go, how in the world did I do that? Then you realize you didn't do anything of that. It was, it was God. It's like I was telling you about Africa. We go to Africa. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And boom, what happened? There, we did nothing but showed up and said, how in the heck did that happen? Because that was a mean battle we had over there. Jose almost lost his church. Right? Pastor, uh, 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 Bear, uh, Pastor, um, the pastor's wife died. I'm thinking, again, um, uh, James Brady's wife. She's a young girl 
42 maybe? She was collapsed and died. He, he comes back and he loses his wife. Then what does he do after he gets restored? He's, he goes back to Africa to start another church. That's a bad dude right there. That is a courageous man. He took a hit, and he's gonna, it was better to go back fighting, right? And he went back, and he's back there in Mitchell's Plain doing another church. That's why, what do you think I want to go back there? I want to see what's up. Huh? See, and, and this man, David, knew one thing. He knew how to get a hold of God. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know how to get a hold of God, no psychology, no counseling, no self-help books, Tony Robbins can't help you, none, none of that can help you. If you need to learn how to get into God's presence because when that fear comes, when your Goliath comes, and it's going to come roaring, talking big neck, you better know God because once you know God, all of a sudden that spirit's going to come over you. And you're going to say, you, you, you won't say bad words, but you, you'll think them. You dirty dog, I'm coming after you. See, I don't like when Christian says, how you doing? Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just serving the Lord and, you know, and, and, and trying to keep the devil off of you. Try to keep the devil off of you. Are you crazy? Get to know God, turn around and chase the devil. Lion, devil, where are you at? Don't, don't run from him. See, but we got it all twisted around. We become these limp-wristed, light-on-our-loafers Christians. What is that? Uh-uh. No, you have to be courageous. Here is King David. said, this man is going to become like that lion and that bear, that uncircumcised Philistine. Notice how this mature man of God encourages young Christian. Huh? David had to overcome his discouragement. He said, you can't do it. You're just a boy. Huh? David's faith prevailed against the fear of a nation, against the fear of a man. His unwavering faith in God conquered the doubt of people. Christianity has too many unknowns for the fearful. Huh? So what can prepare you to live in a victory home? Nothing. Nada. Nothing. Don't be afraid. Just go through it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Uh, just got to go through it. Because I guarantee you, you go through it, you'll be different. Well, that's why 80% of all the pastors all over the world went through that home. 80% of the leaders in our, in our ministry globally, we're talking tens of thousands of people from, from Asia to Europe to Africa to Latin America. Leaders came, sat in your chair. Now, a lot of sissies came and went. We don't know which one you are yet. Time will tell. You can be a sissy la la, or you can make it, because you're going to have to face it. Now, that's the home, because the home is a pressure cooker. Hello, can I say that? Yes. The home is a pressure cooker. I like it. It speeds up the process of it in a person's life. It, it, the process, like the molding and shaping Christianity. See, the home and the church is like a crock pot. It's real slow cooking. You put it real early, you got to wait all long time. Pressure cooker, let's, do, let's get it over with. You guys got to grow up. You guys got to change. You got something to do. God's got to call in your life. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. In the home, see, if you want to get in, you want, you want to get a calling, you need to get close to the, the, the homes because that's where the action is at. That's where all the, the leaders and the warriors all over the world come out of. So I, when I came to church, I'm getting off track, but I'm okay. 
When I came to church, our church didn't have a home. I was all bum kicked. We just had a church. We didn't have a home yet. It wasn't until I'd been in the home, the church, what, about three years, two years, a while, that we started a home. I said, man, how do I get in this? Right? And guys would come out of the home, so I started moving them into me, with me, after they got out of the home. Why? Because I knew that's where the action's at. That's where the bull's like. That's where God's reaching men and women. That's where it's happening. See, I, I knew something. I didn't know a lot, but I knew where God's anointing was. And I knew the anointing, our anointing, Victor's anointing is there. So I, I got to get by that anointing. So it got on me. I'm, 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 I'm showing you something. The, the anointing, our anointing is right there. Now, everything else fall, fall, flows from that, but that's where the anointing is. You want a healing? You need to get by the anointing. You want a healing, a, a new relationship, a better relationship? You need to get by the anointing. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing. Let's move on. See, a man's steps are ordered by the Lord. Then how can man understand his way? So if you master fear, there's a choice. You either master fear or fear will master you. You ever meet those people that are always afraid? Always afraid of everything. Can't do anything. They're afraid. Afraid across the street. Afraid, 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 afraid. Uh, in the same way most spirits want control, fear will control you. When something or someone masters you, you become their slave. See, we're called not to be slaves. We're called to be heirs, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the head, not the tail. But what fears put us in subjection. Proverbs 16, 6 reads, Through love and faith of sin is atoned for, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil as my piano player comes. So how do we fight off fear? Timothy was Paul's disciple, his young disciple. Young man. Paul had put him over a church in Ephesus. And Ephesus at that time was a mega church. But he was young. History tells us that one of the church members in his church was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Could you imagine preaching to the Virgin Mary? Trying to tell her something. See, he was so insecure. It was a thriving church. And he tells him, Timothy, God hasn't given you, us a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. In the NIV, that word sound mind is translated to self-discipline. But that word simply, simply means you must rule your spirit. You, you are a spirit. This is just flesh. And there's a battle for who's in control of that spirit. You must rule it. Fear, or any emotion for that matter, never allow your spirit to submit to an ungodly emotion. You must rule your spirit. Fear opens a person to all sorts of control. Fear. Proverbs 16.32 reads, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than one who takes a city. Spirit. Hmm? And it says there, in the opening scripture and the closing scripture, 
Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned through fear of the Lord. A man avoids evil. So we need to atone for our wrongs, our sin, our shortcomings. And we do that through love and faithfulness. But through fear, we avoid all the traps. To love, love, all will pass except love. Love never fails. So we show love. We move in love. Why? Because we're not afraid. How many of us have been afraid to share love? Why? Because we were afraid of rejection. Fear. See, we're not, we're not responsible how people receive what we give. We're only responsible for doing what we're told. So we share love. If we're rejected, we, you can't help that. You just move forward and allow God's presence to pull you forward. Will it hurt? It might. If you're dominated by, if that's what you're looking for, acceptance. I don't know. See, when I share love, I'm not looking for acceptance or, or anything. The only reason I share love is that God told me to. It has nothing to do with who you are. Because if it was up to who you are, I'd probably love nobody. Real simple. If we look in the natural, why love anybody? Except God said love. So that's what I do. So you, you, you can't reject me. You know why you can't reject me? Because God told me, if you reject my love, then you've rejected God. Not me. He's the source. Love never fails. And lastly, power. See, we have to have power that comes with knowing Jesus. Really knowing, like that power that David had when he faced Goliath. Power. Something came over him. It wasn't him, but he knew, I'm going to kill that thing, that guy. I'm going to take him out. Why? Because he had this anointing on his life, that power. He, he, he knew, he'd seen it happen before he took a step. Power, that knowing that comes through obedience. Power that comes with knowing Jesus. Knowing comes through obedience. Because you can't know Jesus unless you listen to him. And then an obedience that is developed by faith. A faith that is shaped by fear. I want every head bowed, every eye closed.